Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Welcome to everyone in our community. And uh, we're recording this podcast at Upgrade Your Life 2020. And one of the most pleasing things about me being the organizer and you know, producer of this event is I get to meet new friends. Um, probably for me, that is the highest value item. Uh, and I've met some amazing people and we'll be lifelong friends. And one of those, you know, I had an instant <laughs> connection with is Dr. Jen Mann. Welcome. Thank you. It's very mutual. Absolutely. I expect to see you and your family in Los Angeles. Oh, totally. Year. Totally. Yeah. My wife has already planned it, I think. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you had a huge impact on our community up on stage and you have a very unique style. And I, I really love that. And I could tell people were just connected to you and they warmed to you and they were drawn to you. And that was reflected in the questions that they were asking. They were very personal. Yeah. And that shows that people have an immediate trust. Obviously, yeah. you're a therapist and you know how uh, to do that, but it's more than that because I've seen some therapists uh, who have trouble building that connection. Sure. So what is it that um, uh, connects people at that, at that invisible level that we can't explain? Um, well, for me personally, I think that um, the reason why people trust me is a few things. One is I think that they get the vibe that I don't judge. I don't stand on some high horse as like an academic pointing the finger like, oh, you shouldn't do this. Like yes. I get up and I say, I've made that mistake. Here's what I did. You're human. I'm human. And I think people get that. And I think that who I am, my authenticity rings true. And I think people connect with that. And look, there are plenty of people who can't stand me. And then there are lots of people who love me. And that's cool. I can't imagine anyone not liking yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a couple, you know, not a, not a lot. But, yeah. you know, what I was thinking of when we were starting our the podcast and we were talking about kind of like curse words and stuff that, you know, the first season of my show yes. on VH1 Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen, that season one, people were like, oh my God, this is terrible. She's unprofessional. She says, fuck, she curses. <laughs> I've never seen anything so terrible. I had one person who wrote on Twitter and said, we are studying you in our clinic yes. where we train professionals as what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> then season two, yes. it, the tide shifted. Like it, I just do me. And like, if you like it, great. If you don't, that's cool. I'm okay with that. Season two, people are like, I love that you say fuck. It's so real. We are studying you in our clinic on how to do therapy and how to be authentic. So it's like, I think that I do, I do me. And I think people kind of connect with that. And I think that they connect with that. I don't judge and that like, it's all cool. And that's we're going to get to the bottom of it. And I want to help you. <laughs> that's beautiful. I want to do a little bit of a deeper dive in some of the elements that were presented up on stage. Uh, but before that, I just want to tell you a, a little funny story. So you're up on stage. I'm sitting there front row uh, watching you and we're getting all these questions coming through, uh, popping up on my phone from people in the audience. But then I get a message from David Goggins saying, is it okay if I curse up on stage? <laughs> and you had just finished, you know, using blow job, uh, the words about like blow jobs, jobs and, and fuck that. And, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I said to him, I think it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I think Dr. Jen has cleared the way for you. Yes, We're good. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So you mentioned authenticity and that's what connects people and that's what draws people to yourself. And I totally get that. Yeah. As a lawyer, that's what draws my clients to myself. Do you think, I mean, you're a relationship expert. Do you mm-hmm. think that is the fundamental principle that binds people in a relationship? Is it honesty? Is that what it is? Is that authenticity means honesty? Well, I mean, like I talked about today, to me, it's about connection. To me, that is the foundation of any relationship. And you can't have connection without honesty. You can't have connection without authenticity. You can't have connection without vulnerability. That to me, the the center of the wheel is connection. That's everything. Right. Beautiful. So now I'm, we both drew up on stage uh, back upstairs in um, 20 minutes. But so I'm going to, and we, you downloaded a lot of information that we'll, um, once you have a look at, we'll release to our community if that's okay with you. Of course. But um, there's, uh, uh, for, the, for the purpose of this podcast, what I really wanted to ask you was what is the, you know, one or two main things that lead couples to a breakup? What are the th- two things they do wrong that, you know, it, it's like it's like preventative, sure. if you like. It's yeah. like heart disease or diabetes. People get it and then they, you know, yeah. you say to them, well, it's too late, you know? Yeah. So what are the things that people can do to preempt and prevent? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's, rarely too late. If two, if two people are motivated, it's never too late. Sometimes people come into me, one person's motivated, one's not. And then sometimes it's too late. But like I talked about today, to me, connection is key. And the study that was done by M. Gary Newman about cheating spouses, to me, encapsulates that. And what he found for those of your listeners who haven't heard what I said is that, uh, when he did a study, a research study of cheating men that only 7% of the cheating men cheated purely for sex. The other 93% cheated because of a lack of emotional connection or a combination of a lack of emotional and sexual connection. What does emotional connection look like to to a man? What does that mean? It's the ability to be vulnerable. It's a partner who cares about how your day went. It's a partner who follows up on, like, I know you had that really important meeting. How did it go? It's about someone seeing you hearing you and understanding you and accepting you. Right. And it's for both genders. Yes. And what he found with women is that for women only 6% of the time, did they cheat because of sex? The rest was the same. It was lack of emotional connection or a combo of emotional and sexual connection. Wow. Okay. That's surprising. I I knew that would be the case for women because there's one thing you said on stage, you know, the old saying that uh, That men use love to get sex. That men need to feel love to have sex. I'm sorry, that men need to have sex to feel Feel loved, whereas women need to feel loved to have sex. And, And I think that, like I was talking about, we have this idea that guys who cheat are just these horny pants dropping dudes who like can't control themselves, but it isn't about that. Typically it's about the neglect in the relationship. And when you ask, what are the two things right. that, that couples need to know about. The first is nurture your connection. Make that a top priority in your relationship. If you're not having sex, if you're not getting along, if you like, you name it, give me any list of things, but I can tell you pretty much any of it, connection will help. When there's a rupture in the relationship, like someone's had an affair, someone has betrayed the trust on some other level, there's other stuff that needs to be done. But a lot of what needs to be done is to repair that connection and recreate it and recreate the trust. But the second thing is complacence. That's the other thing that kills relationships. That, like I was talking about today, that people know 
okay, I got to go to the gym. I got to work out. I got, if I'm going to run a marathon, I got to train for it. But what they don't realize is that a marriage is a marathon. You got to train for it. And you need to put time and energy into your relationship by nurturing the connection, by having sex, by taking each other out on dates, by doing all that stuff. You are investing in your relationship. And and also not to mention that, you know, I always think of, I, I had a, a friend who in college was fixing up cars and selling them for a profit. And what happened was there was this one car in particular that he got and he spent months on it and he painted it and he replaced the motor and he redid the seats and he's yeah. months and months. <laughs> and he became so invested in the car yes. that at the end of it, he was like, I don't want to sell this car. I love this car. Relationships are the same. It's a good analogy for men to connect with. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But you, when you put a lot of energy into your yeah. relationship, you're more invested in keeping it. How important is sex in a relationship? Is it, and what are the frequency? Was it different for everyone? Because there's some people that say, oh, there's something wrong with us. We haven't had sex five times this week. Yeah. And I think, geez, that's a lot of sex in a week. <laughs> Especially when you're 10 years into a relationship, when you have kids, when like, you're 20 years in. Like, look, I, I think it's a, a few things. First of all, I think it's very important. I think it's a difference between being roommates and being partners. I think it's a, a very important element in the relationship. That said, there are also couples who hit a point in the relationship where due to health issues or age issues or something else, they can't. What matters at that time is that both people are on the same page and that they're able to connect in a romantic, sensual way on some other level. It doesn't have to be intercourse. So I think that yeah. at least in the United States, people are very intercourse focused, but it can be in any way, it can even be kissing. But when it comes to frequency, there are a couple issues. Look, there's a study that came out. I don't love this study, but it's that said that one time a week is the ideal number that couples do it one time a week report being happiest. Yes. But I think it's bullshit because there are people who one time a week, they're going to be pissed off and they're going to feel like they're not getting enough sex. And then there are other people who like one is too much. Yes. So to me, it's a matter of w what is good for you, what's good for your partner and meeting in the middle. And that's really yep. key, that meet in the middle, because yep. a lot of the time people aren't willing to do that. You've got to come to my side or else. I, I really love that because that honors the third identity. And that is there's, there's not two people, is there? There's two people. And the third identity is the relationship. And every relationship is different. Yep. So, you know, one, is it one? Is it to, it's, uh, and, you know. <laughs> and also it's perception. You know, there's a, yeah. that great scene in Annie Hall where Woody Allen is at the therapist and the therapist says, you know, how's your I sex life? Scene, and he yeah. says, we hardly ever have sex. We have sex three times a week. And then you see Diane Keaton's <laughs> character, Annie, and she's in with her therapist and the therapist says, how's your sex? Life? She, oh, we're doing constantly. We do it like three times a week. <laughs> like it's so much. So it's some of it's about perception and, and how you view sex and what that experience is like for you and what your expectations are. Well, look, this next question is really, really important for our listeners because a lot of people, people from our community and of a high branch community are corporate, okay, sure. bankers, lawyers. And a, a common theme is that sex is now really awkward between us. We don't have it often enough. And when yep. we do, it's clumsy and- Totally. Yeah, I've seen this all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, what do we do? How do we okay. re-spark it? Yeah. What well, there are a few things. I talk about it far more in depth in my book because there's a whole chapter on sex. Is and that how the to, relationship fix? The relationship fix. Yep. And there's, I, it's six chapters. The sixth chapter, which is everyone's favorite always, especially men who interview me, <laughs> like, <laughs> let's get to the sex chapter. But that's the whole chapter. It's how to reignite a sex life. So it's, it's a chapter of information, but here's what I'll say just off the bat. A few things. First of all, the longer you go without sex, the more awkward it's going to be. Yes. There's no way to get past the awkward. It, it, it's like a tough workout. You have to just get through it to get to the other side. And both of you have to get on the same page and go, this is going to be awkward. 
we're going to have a sense of humor about it. Yes. We're going to actually, we can laugh about it. Like, you know, obviously you have to be sensitive to your partner. We have to kind of laugh about it. Because what happens when a long-term couple doesn't have sex in a long time is it starts to feel almost incestuous. Uh, it starts yeah. to feel this familial because you're raising kids together. Yeah. You've been together a long time. You see each other changing you know, in the bathroom. It, it happens all yeah. the time. Yeah. Because you start feeling like brother and sister. Yes. In the house. And there's yeah. like an incest taboo yeah. that goes along with that, that you have to really make a shift. Yes. But there's no way to get past that without tolerating the awkwardness. And that's where most people go wrong. They go, I don't want it to be awkward. This is my wife. This feels too weird. And then they either stop having sex or they go get sex elsewhere. Yes. And then you're really screwed or, well, not with your wife, but you're screwed. <laughs> your relationship is screwed. So it's really important to get past that awkward stage so that you can get to the other side. And sometimes it takes some coaching by a therapist, a sex therapist, watching a video, reading a book, but you need to kind of get some new stuff in the mix a lot of the time. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So last question before we go upstairs and see uh, Mr. Goggins. I yes. Hopefully he won't make us do push-ups. He did make I'm, us quite a do. I missed the workout this morning. I was so bummed because I had to work <laughs> on my speech and I was so bummed. So I'm, I'm ready to do push-ups. Awesome. Um, and this is a, a very popular question that was um, asked upstairs when you were on stage. And that is um, when I get past, when I have built up the courage mm -hmm. to initiate intimacy with my partner mm -hmm. and they reject me. Yeah. Have a headache, not in the mood. They feel like they're rejected. And a lot of men confide in me. A lot of my yeah. friends, that's most of the time when we get intimate with our, you know, talk, that's what they say. Oh, I'm not yeah. going to go there. She's not, she's, you know what? I'm not yeah. going to do that for another year. I'll show her. Totally. And, and, yeah. and I talk to women in my practice a lot about most women do not realize how vulnerable men are when they make a bid for that kind of sexual connection. Yeah, they are. And part of the thing for, women for men to understand is that they need to educate their partners about what that experience is like and also about helping their partner to understand what sex means to them and in addition to that to also better their technique when it comes to soliciting sex. Because I've seen too many men who are like, well, yeah, I grabbed my wife's ass at the sink while she was doing dishes. She's supposed to take the hit. She's <laughs> like, you know, I'm fucking doing dishes and he's grabbing my ass and he doesn't care. And I'm annoyed that I'm doing his dishes. He didn't even do his own dishes. And now he wants to have sex. Like, forget about it. You got to read the temperature of your partner. Yeah. And also what you want to make sure you're doing is creating that connection with them prior to that bid. Okay. Because yep. if... She's in one room watching a movie. You're in another room. We're on your computer. And then you come in, you're like, hey, I want to have sex. For yeah. her, that may feel yeah. like, where did this come from? Like, you know, we do that when we're first dating. Yeah. We don't disrespect the timing. We actually work really hard on getting well, the timing right. Absolutely. And, and also the seduction. Yeah. Like yeah. one of the things that tends to happen is as we get to know each other, we seduce less and we expect more. And that's wrong. It's wrong. We should be doing the same seduction and, and not to mention that 
we tend to take our partner on less dates. We tend to dress up. We tend to we, we show up in our like ratty underwear yeah, and totally. our granny panties yeah. and our robe <laughs> with the mask on. Like, yeah, I'm ready for sex. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> hey, where where's that sexy guy who used to put on a tuxedo and take me out? Like, where's that sexy man? <laughs> on that note, yeah. well, thank you very much for appearing on our podcast. And Dr. Jen, will you come back again next year? Hopefully, I would love to. That's I would awesome. Love to. All right, guys, thank you for listening, and it's goodbye for now. 